in this second session on James 4, 13 to 16, I want to ask the question about the Lord's will and whether his sovereign will, which is expressed here, is the only use of the term will of God in the Bible. Let's read it. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So instead of talking like that, he says, instead, you ought to say, so two alternative ways of talking because of two alternative ways of seeing life in God. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live, and if the Lord wills, we will do things, and he will decide. The Lord decides if we do this, the Lord decides if we do that, and the Lord decides if we live. That's the sovereign will of God. As it is, when you talk like this, you are boasting in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So you prove yourself to be not God and not good. We aren't, and everything is aiming at humility. Not just humility, but a happy humility under God's providence. Now, question. If this is God's sovereign will, meaning it always happens, he's not saying that they should do something which is his will. He's saying what they do is his will. If they live, it's his will. If they do this, it's his will. If they do that, it's his will. His will always holds sway. Is that the only way that the will of God is spoken of in the Bible? No, it isn't. There are two ways. There's the sovereign will of God. We call it, let's call it the will of decree. So if he decrees things, they come to pass. And the other one we'll call the will of command. He commands things that don't come to pass, like thou shalt not lie. Now let's look at these. Let me just take you real quickly through a group of texts that show that there is such a thing as the will of decree. Matthew 26, 39, going a little farther, Jesus fell down on his face and prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He's submitting to an absolute sovereign will of God. Or Acts 20, 427, truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined or willed to take place. Everything they did, Herod, Pontius Pilate, Gentiles, peoples of Israel, was to kill Jesus. And God 
willed it. It was an absolute decree Christ would suffer and die. Or 1 Peter 3.17, it is better to suffer for doing God's will, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. In other words, sometimes God wills that his children suffer. It is better to suffer for doing good if God happens to will it. If it happens, it will be God's will. If it doesn't happen, he didn't will it. This is one of the most sweeping ones in Ephesians 1.11. In him we have obtained an inheritance in, in Christ, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He works all things in accord with his own wisdom expressed in his will. Matthew 10.29 Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. If your father doesn't will for a bird to fall out of the tree and die, it won't fall out of the tree and die. It will stay where it is until God wills that it die. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. God decides what the tongue will finally say. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So, ultimately and finally, the king does the will of God to more. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. Nobody can thwart the will of God. None can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? And finally, on this point, Job answered the Lord when all was said and done. In chapter 42, he answered the Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. When God wills that something certainly happen, it happens and cannot be thwarted. We call this the will of decree. You call it anything you want, but that's the reality. Now, that's not the only reality, right? Here's Matthew 7, 21. We're starting now the will of command. And the will of command may not happen. God commands many things that people disobey. Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, who will? The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So there we have the use of the term will of God, some of whom, some people, do it and some don't. That's very different than the will of decree that always happens. Or 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God. What is the will of God? your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. In other words, thou shalt not commit adultery, flee fornication. That's the will of God for you. But it's not his decreed will. 
because many people commit adultery, but many people disobey the command not to commit adultery. So in one sense, they're not doing God's will, and they are doing his will of decree. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So giving thanks in all circumstances is the will of God. How many people do that? Not many. People are breaking the will of God all the time in this regard. Or 1 John 2.17, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So there's the will of God. And if some people do it, they abide forever. Others don't do it. They don't abide forever. So you have a whole group of texts that support the reality of God's will of decree and a whole group of texts, many more, that support God's will of command. And here's my definition. God's decision that something will certainly take place. That's his will of decree. For example, that his son be murdered by crucifixion. You can see the plan for it in Isaiah 53.10. It was the will of the Lord to bruise him, and we saw it back in Acts 4, 27 to 28, where Herod and Pontius Pilate and the soldiers and the peoples of Israel were doing exactly what God ordained to take place. Nevertheless, God's will of command is God's expression to his creatures of what they ought to do, like, thou shalt not murder. So he commands all human beings not to be murderers, and he decrees that his son be murdered. That's what you have to come to terms with in the Bible. In other words, here's the category you need in your mind. God can will that a sin come to pass without himself sinning. God can command that no one murder, and he can ordain that his son be murdered, and he is not himself then sinning. He is coordinating, managing, governing sin. And what the Bible assumes is that murderers are responsible and God is just in all his decisions. And that's what the Bible teaches. That's what we need to believe. It might be helpful before I go away, just make a little room here and apply this. Suppose you were abused as a child. Say some uncle sexually abused you or beat you. And someone asks you, do you think that was the will of God? If you believe this, how would you answer? You would answer in two ways. You would say, no, God commands love and hates abuse of the weak especially. God commands 
love. It is not his will. He commands otherwise. And therefore, there is care that he feels for the victims. And there is justice to be exacted from the perpetrators. But you will also say, yes, there are a hundred ways he could have stopped it. How easy it would have been for him to cause the abuser to have a heart attack. He does this all the time. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. There are a hundred ways he could have kept it from happening. So yes, let's just put it like this. God willed not to stop it. We could say it different ways. Let's just leave it like that. So you know that it happened was in that sense God's will. That means God can, that is, has the power, has the omnipotent power to override all pain and sorrow and turn it for your good. If God were not sovereign in this way, this could not be assured. Which is why the problem of saying yes is balanced. Problem, I say, in that it does make God ultimately in charge. The problem is balanced by the fact that that sovereignty creates hope in you. I love this hope, and that's why I teach the sovereignty of God, because that's what God taught us in his word.